If you want to pump your body and expand your mind, there's only one place to go. Mind Pump. Mind Pump. With your hosts, Sal Stefano, Adam Schaefer, and Justin Andrews. Sunday, oh, bloody yeah. Sunday. Adam's butthole. <laughs> Sunday, bloody Sunday. Can you do that one? Sunday, bloody Sunday. There it is. It's better. Yeah, that's way better. How about breakfast at Tiffany's? Do you remember that one? What's that one? Oh, <laughs> and I know. Yes, something about breakfast at Tiffany. Do you remember that one? I yeah, do. Please remember don't that let song. me do anymore. Come on. You know what? Certain songs just make me think of. The- different times in my career working in gyms because there's always music in the background oh yeah and yeah. you hear the same fucking song over and over again you're right. like okay isn't yeah. that crazy I, I, i'm over it a lot of music you relate like to liking or not like based off of what was going on in your life and when you were listening to that right if it was a good time in your life and like shit was going well for you like, <laughs> well, here's yeah. the, or if i hear that song by stained <laughs> i'm just like oh god i'm depressed well here's the thing like yeah. uh, uh i remember that you know working in gyms for as long as we have Pretty much most of my time is spent with music on in the background. So it's, it was, it's always weird for me to be in a space with no music on. I know. So I'm always like, where's the, why is it so, I feel a little uncomfortable. Why is it so weird in here? Because yeah, there's it? always music on in the background, always. Energy. Yeah. But back in the day, let's see, when, when I was managing gyms, we had those um, like satellite stations. Yeah. And we'd put them on, and it was always like, there was like 15 songs they just fucking rotated all over oh and over. My God. Oh. By the end of the day, you've heard it like the couple just songs like at least kill five me times. Now. Yeah. Like, and then if you ever change the channel, like 50 members would come up. Members complain. complain. They are ridiculous. They're so ridiculous about it. Dude. Change the music. Change Can you please change the music? Uh, I don't like to work out with and it's music like, on. Yeah, it's like if you spend... It's the devil. Yeah, you spend as much time exercising as you did walking up here and waiting for me to change the music. You'd be much more fit, Mrs. Johnson. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> shut is, up. This is very true. I hated that. Yeah. Uh, dude, so my workouts have changed dramatically <laughs> recently uh, because we changed gyms. And I, I think uh, we should, I mean, that's such a such an amazing thing that I, I always forget to recommend to oh, people. Yeah. Like, change your scenery, man. Change your scenery. It makes you feel like anything's possible. Right. You know what I'm saying? Well, like, it also forces you a lot of times to to do other stuff, right? You, I don't care who you are. I don't care how experienced, how smart of a trainer you are, how many different movements you know. We all get stuck in this little, I got my favorite, oh you know, four God. or five yeah. exercises or benches or machines that I use. And, you know, you kind of mix it up a little bit. But for the most part, you kind of fall on this routine of things you do by totally changing, especially what we did right now, right? We went from a, you know, basic gym or in your case, a very small you know, private studio to this big, you know, Astro turf with but, kettlebells and yeah. Dow bars and the squat. But see, I had, I had kettlebells. I had, I'm not doing stuff that, uh, it's not like I'm doing stuff that I couldn't do before. I think the difference is feels more motivating now. I, well, it's almost like one of these things like, it's like, it's like when you move, like uh-huh. you move like to a new city or all of a sudden you feel like I can be anybody now or I can start, yeah. I can just change everything. And, and that's what I've done. I'm like new in town. I haven't used the belt uh, in squats for a while. <laughs> Check me out. Um, I stopped using my squat shoes. I'm doing all this more functional stuff, and it's because I'm in a, I'm like in this d- totally different mindset because I changed the environment. You know what it reminds me of? When I would manage health clubs, and I'd want to spark sales, like I'd want to sp- like motivate my sales guys, and so I would get there real early before everybody, and I'd mix up their desks. I'd switch the desks, turn <laughs> the chairs around. You're sitting here now. You're sitting there now. Every time, every single time, what happened? It would boost sales. 
every single time because I think they felt like like they're new. You interrupted their process. Yeah, new, new right. energy, new energy yeah. disruptor. But yep. this, so this morning, disruptive like, force. Yeah. yeah. So what I've been doing? What is Boom. that? I feel like that's something. Yeah, that's the name of my company. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah. Never mind. Uh, no, I, it's uh, like my workouts now are different. Like I go in, I'm doing more of those kettlebell walks. Um, I'm using the steam room and I'm uh, going in the steam room and doing like really deep stretching in there. How'd you like my uh, farmer that's walk video? That's a great idea, by you. the way. I'm going to do that. Your, your what? Your farmer walk? Uh, yeah, my farmer walk video I made for you. That's the funniest fucking thing. <laughs> <laughs> you know how many people message me like, I so was looking forward to like something to happen. <laughs> you know, yeah. the same you couldn't put it on Instagram though, huh? Because it was too, too long. long. Yeah, yeah, I think it was like a oh, minute, a minute a gem, 30. Dude. Yeah, the forum members went pretty Cinematic nuts. Cinematic epicness. Yeah, it was, it, it was great. <laughs> over nothing. It was. It was great that it just happened to be farmer walks too, you know? So, Justin, you said you wanted to try that the stretching i event. do that's not yeah that sounds like a great idea. try what so try what? I, w- I went in the steam room in the steam room and uh i got it hot as sh- hell in there yeah. like it was like, so hot like bikram yoga it was know? so hot that like if i moved that it would almost sting my skin the steam was so hot and i do like really deep stretches in oh there. yeah and that's the best place there is the best place for because you get that place yeah. to yourself it's so big and open dude you get- so I, I, love doing, do, I love to do that. I was there. doing hips. So I'll do hip stretches, hamstring stretches, quads, upper body, whatever. Then I'll sit there and meditate for a little bit. Then I'll go. See, now your naked yoga stuff isn't so weird. Yeah, well, you know, it's Only funny. in that setting. You know, it's funny because I'm, I'm not naked in the steam room because I don't know. It's just kind of weird, whatever. Really? But I have the towel. I go, I go balls out, dude. No, you don't. I was in there with I you. I will with a towel. I was, I was hoping you would, but you did. <laughs> uh, but I wore the towel. But then when you do your hip stretches and stuff, whoever walks in is getting, getting a full... For a bird's eye view of oh, that's how I keep it to myself. <laughs> when they come in, I get all like, like flap it open. Yeah, hey yeah. man, hey, hey come man. on over here, sit down oh. right here. Don't mind like, me, uh, just doing downward dog. They're like I'll go ahead and go over to the dry sauna. I'm actually. stretching my hips, <laughs> but then I go right to the shower and I take a freezing ass cold shower. Yeah, and it feels amazing. That's the way to do it. And then I come in here because then we start work because I'm doing this hell early in the morning while you guys are still you know sleeping like babies, <laughs> and uh, I feel like a champion. That's funny, yeah, because I'm up early. So if you imagine say, a champion, that's I was what up, I was up at. 345. I'll make sure uh-huh. to text him next that's time. That's because so you I'm go sure. pee and then you go back to bed. <laughs> no, I, I actually five, wake up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's right. If you have kids, you can't sleep nah, in. It just not, doesn't it that, just doesn't work no, that way. What is what is sleeping in though for, for parents? I mean seven. Seven. Mm-hmm. And you wake up freaked out because you now, think something eight, they, they died. Maybe on an awesome is that, now is that a universal thing or is there some just some kids do sleep in and it's just you guys have crazy, you guys I have mean, you when know. they become teenagers, then then you have to go in there and wake their ass up at noon. That's it. But before that when they're young for whatever reason, they're just like ready to go. Yeah, like I want to wake up and uh, I want breakfast now. Which now, is now, ironic now, now. because we, the younger we are, the more sleep we need. The older we get, the less sleep that we need. So you would think that you know at, at yeah. a younger age they well would... here you know what it is they go to bed early. That's what it is. Yeah. Uh, so you 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 know I put my kids to bed at nine, mm-hmm. so they're gonna wake up that's yeah. earlier. That's um, but teenagers need a lot of sleep. I think teenage girls need the most sleep of all categories of people. Oh yeah, they say it's teenage girls. Yeah. Oh really? Yeah. They need like something like ten hours of sleep or something like that. Nine, nine Damn. and a half. Or ten. Yeah, I know. Wow. So I figure when they're teenagers, then I'll be maybe be able to get it to sleep in. Have we ever talked about why, uh, you know, why there's like that that perfect zone of like sleeping too less or too much fucks you up? You ever notice that? Like, yeah. When you hit whatever whatever it is, and everyone's different, right? Like, if you're six to eight hours, like I'm perfect. I get eight and a half or nine, I'm yeah. fucked. I feel like a, I feel like I didn't. I'm, sure it's, the, I'm yes. sure it's the quality of your sleep too, right? If you get able to actually achieve what's yeah. the REM state or whatever. yeah. But have yeah. you ever noticed that though? Just from a time standpoint, like whenever you do, have you ever slept too long and you feel that like I so, do? Yeah, you just feel lethargic after that. Yeah, I uh, when I let myself wake up naturally, um, I wake up. 
good. If I wake up with an alarm or if I try to go back to sleep and then mm-hmm. try to wake up. Uh, but, you know, the science I think behind... it's a lot of mental... I don't know. Like, I, I see, like, the way I wake up like that. Like, if I'm, it depends on the state that I'm in. You know, I, if I, I can correct that if I wanted to, you know. Yeah, and here's the other thing, too. The science behind sleep, it's so... It's they have these general guidelines, but man, there's people who sleep five hours and are super productive, yeah. super awake, and yeah. other people need more sleep. And there's definitely times in my life where I need way less sleep and times when I need more. When I was younger, because now I rec- I need at least six and a half to seven hours of sleep. But man, when I was in my twenties, especially my early twenties, four or five hours, man, and I was on fire all day long. Right, I need not need sleep at all. Now it's a little bit. Now I need a little bit more sleep. How much sleep do you guys do you guys mm. need? I don't know, man. Six to eight. You need six to eight? Yeah. Adam, you probably need the most, huh? Um, I don't know. Let's see here. I normally crash out on a regular night um, about midnight or midnight or so, and I get up by six, so about six hours. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. You know who needs not that much sleep, believe it or not? Mm. Doug. Doug, Doug. Well, the older you get, the less you you need. Technically. No, I think you need more at a certain no, age. No, no, yeah, my, no. as you my age, grandma was, was like three hours. Yeah, I don't know because I feel like Doug just can run circles around us sometimes with that shit. Yeah, well, as they get, as, of course. Doug, have you always gone got, not needed that much sleep? I need the sleep. I just don't get it. Oh, my bad. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's all you guys sh- are grinding me to death. <laughs> yeah, no. yeah. Believe bad. me, I can yeah. sleep. Thanks, I can sleep way. easily eight, eight hours a night, no problem. But you end up, but I don't. Yeah, I see. Getting texts from Adam. Yeah, middle of the night. <laughs> I think I got this great idea. Doug, <laughs> it's, it's I need a bundle. Doug is pretty solid, though. I have to yeah. say, he's he's normally the one to get back to me first, or the first one I see on on there. And the uh, although Sal gets on there pretty early, sometimes I see him on there first thing on social media at like five in the morning or whatever. Yeah. So. But Doug's pretty pretty uh, consistent with his responses at you know midnight or one or four or five in the morning. I'm, mm-hmm. I can rely mm-hmm. on him getting back to me. Most my of the time. favorite texts, I'll tell you what, amongst all of us, these are my favorite texts. Okay, the ones that Adam says that sends that are like this. This is how they go. <laughs> hey guys, oh my god, fucking great oh, idea! Geez. You won't believe it. Yeah, that's it. Best thing you've ever heard in your life. No, no, that's it. There's nothing else. <laughs> And no, then, I know, but then it cuts out. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. And then you're like, and then you text them back, and we're like, well, fucking tell me. Well, what are Nothing. we talking about here? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. Oh, yeah, remind me. Yeah, remind me to tell you. I tell you what? What? And then when we see him, God, then I'll be like, dude, what was that thing? And he'll, forgets. and he'll be like, oh, yeah. fuck, I forgot. Did you, I don't write, <laughs> did you even write it down? I don't remember. No, it was in your head. It's like every time that happens, I feel my nuts go inside my body. You know what I mean? I get yeah, so yeah, irritated. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh. Tell me, you gotta, build, drop. Uh, you gotta build the suspense up. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Shh. <gasps> Is it? Oh God, it's bigger this time. being brought to you by Chimera Coffee. It's the only coffee that is infused with all natural nootropics for a cleaner, calmer, and more focused buzz without the crash. Click the Chimera link at mindpumpmedia.com and input the discount code MINDPUMP at checkout for 10% off. It's the motherfucking quad. The eagle has landed. Slow420 is asking, can you eat too much bacon while eating keto. What a, Just what, absolutely not. What a stupid question. <laughs> eat a ton of bacon. Can you have fair you game? Bacon's like money. You can uh, never have too much. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is a good question because uh, I love bacon. Can you eat too much of anything? Well, yeah. yeah. You can have too much water and you drown. I mean, yeah. you can have too much of anything. I don't like when people use 
uh, a, a, a nutrition style like keto or like fasting or like whatever. And they use that as an excuse to go nuts on something like, yeah, like, uh, oh, keto. That means I can have fat. So now all I'm going to eat is bacon and, and butter. And yeah, right. uh, no, no, bacon, you, avocado, bacon, wrap, butter. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you can't. That's delicious. <laughs> you can't. Can you eat too much bacon? Absolutely. You can have your fatty acid profile intake can be off and you can produce tremendous inflammation on keto. Um, you can make yourself very unhealthy on keto with the wrong foods. So I would say, you know, eat, there's nothing wrong with bacon. Um, just don't go nuts with it. Well, you know this mean? is actually, uh, I, I, I'm glad you picked this question because this is one of the problems I had with keto was I felt like I was eating a lot of the same foods just because this is what I would, you know, because bacon is hard to kind of uh, get outside of that and find out what, you know, how to get your diversity. Well, you limit, you limit, yeah. there's, there's your food choices are more limited. limited. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I, I most certainly felt like avocado, butter, coconut oil. And bacon were like, and I eggs can see were, how bacon could make it, you know, high in the rotation. Oh, it, for sure. You know what I mean, it, it like, was. What else can I get? Oh, it, there's always bacon. And and I felt like that, um, you know, when I'm when I'm eating a more balanced diet, I do a much better job of rotating my foods. Yeah, yeah. When you limit me to this, you know, oh, if you got to eat these in order to fall in this keto category. And this is why I don't like any diets. I don't like labeling stuff like this and, and um, you know, pigeonholing you into this, okay, these are the only types of foods you can eat in order to follow the guidelines of this diet. So, sure, you might be following the guidelines of diet by eating bacon and avocado and coconut oil, but if your diet always consists of bacon, avocado, and coconut oil, and that's a majority of all that you eat, you are missing out on a lot of other nutrients and other foods that well, are super important. Here's what I found with keto with myself and uh, with other people that have helped uh, who eat in this style of eating. And by the way, there's many different ways to eat in a keto style or type diet. Um, there's the med- med- there's the medical keto diet, ketogenic diet, but then there's like, you know, uh, ways of uh, eating keto that include more protein that, you know, some athletes will use. There's, uh, there's you know, keto where you do inc- introduce some carbs around your workout, uh, cyclic ketogenic diet, I think they call it. So there are different ways to do it. But here's something that I noticed for myself and with other people is uh, if I eat a red meat uh, heavy ketogenic style diet where I'm all I'm doing is eating things like bacon and steak and eggs and I get more inflammation than if I eat a lot of fish mm-hmm. in, in keto. And that's the one thing I don't see a lot of people doing in keto. All the people that ask me questions on keto, rarely do I hear the, have them you know ask me, you know, hey, I'm eating salmon twice a week. Uh, you know, is that good? Like most of them are just doing what we're talking about, butter, bacon, and and eggs. Like throw in the fatty fish. Fatty fish is a great thing to eat regardless of what kind of diet you're on. But for ketogenic diets, it's excellent. Here's the other thing I I, I see people overdoing on keto, nuts and nut butters. People go crazy on nuts and nut butters. I know. I I feel like there's literally, you can, I think there's under 10 foods that I see when I see all the people that are posting keto and shit. They're, it's all the same shit. It really is. It's like, and this is what, um, and this is why when we first started doing this, I was so careful for us not to be like, yeah. you know, oh, keto, everything. Like there is some, there is some. Oh, it especially attracts a supplementing sort of mentality uh, in absolutely. there, right? Because it's, oh my God, I'm so limited, you know, now give me something that can yes, kind of fill all these yes. holes. Yes. Yeah. I, you know, I, I don't know, like I, I'm going to just come out and say I'm not a fan of it. What I am a fan of is if, if it changes your relationship with fat, I am 
am a fan of that because that's what it did for me. I felt like when I went through this, it opened my eyes up of like, man, like, cause we, for so long, we've been t- telling people to stay away from fat and this, the myth that fat makes you fat, you know, and that, oh, cholesterol and everyone's yeah. all, everyone's worried about all this stuff. Like now we're not worried about it that we understand that. So learning how to introduce it. And for the first time in my life, I actually was targeting fat. I was looking for right. fat in my diet. So now that I had, uh, I, I had to eat like that. It I created a whole new balance now. Mm-hmm. And when I started to cut back on the carbohydrates, a guy who was going four to 600 grams of carbs to something more like 150 to 250, the inflammation came down like crazy. I had sustained energy. I actually feel like my muscle belly stayed fill, filled up. I don't feel like it's uh, up and down, up and down. I feel more consistent. Uh, I feel like I have uh, better satiety, satiety throughout the day. I feel like the choices I get to choose, uh, I get to enjoy more. But th- I also introduce carbs, so I'm not running a keto diet. So if you are running a keto diet, you know you need to be very aware of you know, the foods that you're not getting. Yeah, and, just and rotate them, dude. Like, you know how many meats there are out there? You could get chicken, you can get fish, you could have, yeah. you know, beef, you could have bison, you could have lamb, you could have duck, you could have different organ meats, you know, like throw like different things in there. Don't get stuck in the same. And get a lot of color when you're going after your veggies, too. Lots of colors lots and veggies. Of, lots of color, Yeah, man. and then the oils that you eat, like, like olive oil is great. That's a great source of uh, healthy fat. Throw some olive oil on your vegetables and there you go. Doesn't have to be the same four things. You know what's interesting because like you kind of brought up how uh, you know that whole change a relationship as far as like with cholesterol and then that not being the demon it used to be forever. Like I could literally sort of think back to in timeline when uh, that study came out and then the you know how we talked about that and then how that influenced a lot of our direction into the keto side which already existed before but then that's really where we started to kind of dive into that because it's like whoa if this isn't the demon you know then fats really aren't the demon you know this is this is something that's actually has a lot more health benefit to it than we even thought exactly 100 percent Glenn underscore SBT has pain near the tibial tuberosity, suspects its patellar ligament tendon, any stretches or ways to strengthen to ease pain. So the uh, tibial tuberosity is an attachment for the, it's where the patella tendon attaches at the, the top of your shin. So basically if you look at your leg, the top of your shin right before your knee, that's the tibial tuberosity. And the kneecap has a tendon that attaches uh, right there. And uh, you'll see this in... Is this what's common with what they call jumper's knee? Is this normally where uh, they have an uh, issue? Yeah, or you know, you'll see this in uh, kids as they start to develop and grow, like boys between the ages, I think, of like... Or right, right on the age of 13 and girls, mm. I think, a little bit later. Uh-huh. Um, Oscar uh, Schlatter. Oscar Schlatter? Yeah, I was yeah. just going to ask you about that. Yeah, so that, you know, inflammation at that point... Um, uh, because you know things are still developing, but you can still get them as you get older, and it's not super hard to fix. Um, number one, uh, uh, believe it or not, quadricep weakness um, many times is uh, is part of this. So strengthen your your quadriceps, but stretch your quads. Mm-hmm. Get better range of motion in your quadriceps. Work on uh, foam rolling before you exercise because that'll we- help the way your Weakness in your your quads. Believe it or not, is that yeah. just because like when I'm doing normal stuff like getting up and down that now that's having to overload and take the take the work because my quads are so weak. Um, is that what, where that's coming from? I don't know. I think it's the way that they're firing because if you look at the the kneecap and the way it tracks um, mm-hmm. when your knee is flexing and extending, yeah. 
that affects how it pulls on that that part of the uh, the patella uh, the tendon. Hmm. So that's why uh, sometimes you'll see people with Oscar Schlatter where the that that band. Yeah, it's, it, so it pinches it, right? So it kind of pinches it and changes the way the kneecap tracks and takes hmm. pressure off that. Okay. Um, but yeah, stretch the quad. Like like I've had clients like this come in, uh, especially adults, and they'll come in and they'll have pain in that part of their knee, and I'll have them just do a static quadricep stretch for 30 seconds to a minute and then go into a quadricep exercise. Believe it or not, and the pain will be uh, dramatically reduced. So increase flexibility in the quadriceps, strengthen your legs, strengthen your hips, strengthen your quads. Um, you know, uh, foam rolling is good for this as well. Foam rolling the IT band. And I think that also changes the way the kneecap tracks and you'll see people will have you know, less pain there. Well, yeah, because IT inserts in the front of the patella, so I would think that all that's anything that's all coming into that area, relieving that, or you know, working on any sort of your mobility drills too. What about mobility stuff like that? Is it okay with that? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, definitely, I would definitely do more mobility work on the hips because that mm-hmm. always will help like the internal knees. rotation and all that stuff. But you know, it's um, it's really just has to do with just the inflammation at the attachment of the patella. So you want to do things to reduce. Uh, the you know the acuity of the pull there, which is like strengthening and 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 improving flexibility in the quadricep. Um, but as we know as trainers, the hips are always involved. I, I was just going to tell you, almost like so, something like this is like, a, mm. and I've been across this uh, because in basketball, and that's why I said brought up the jumper's knee. So I thought it was the same thing. Um, I think that's what they call jumpers. Yeah, and you, you know. feel it right here. Yeah, yeah. So um, I am familiar with it. I've maybe had a couple clients my entire career that that uh, had you know thought they had it or complained about the pain there. And almost always for me, like uh, I've you know known to go to the hips because even if you're not alleviating that that exact area where there's an issue or a problem, the hips I feel like having mobile hips plays such a huge role in the stress that it puts on there. And that's normally if it's something that's inflamed and it's irritated. Well, it's, it's responsible for basically stabilizing all of it uh, in every other direction except for forwards and backwards, right? Yeah, yeah. When you think of it like when you have like if it's like you're holding onto a, a broomstick or something, and then on the other end of that is it's super heavy and weighted like it's really tough for you to hold the long part of the stick and you know by giving yourself more mobility in the hips it's like you being able to grab the stick midway now it's a lot easier for you to handle the stress on that mm-hmm. so uh, always going to the hips and and, yeah. and and also listen to always listen to your body you know if you're doing lots of jumping explosive movements you're probably going to want to stay away from that for a little while until that inflammation starts to go down but really the static stretching is uh, every single time i've had a client with an issue in this part of their knee you know, holding a nice long static stretch uh, immediately reduces a lot of the pain there, and I think it's just because it kind of tells things to chill out and mm. stop pulling so hard on that on that part of the tendon. So, mm-hmm. I would say uh, deep quadricep stretches uh, several times a day. Foam rolling, like you said. Foam rolling, you know, twice a day, and then when you're doing your leg and hip exercises, slow, controlled. And play with the edges. And what I mean by that is you want to aim for really good long range of motion and get to the edge to the point where you're like, ooh, that's too much pain, and then come out of it and go play with that edge. Get to that edge each time. Don't go beyond that. Yeah, and think frequency over intensity. Frequency, not intensity. Don't yeah. hammer your legs, but work them out. But do the do all these things uh, frequently throughout the day. That Smith Live is asking for pre-pregnancy and pregnancy training advice. So wants to know what to do before and after yes. or during. Um, let's start with during. Uh, while you're pregnant, your goal is not, and this sounds like a this sounds like a duh 
answer, but you'd be surprised. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I know where you're going. Your goal You've is, got to tell these guys still this. You have to. Your goal is not to achieve any new fitness uh, success. You're, you're not right. trying to like get in better shape while you're pregnant. You're I'm not trying to do a triathlon. No, I actually just had to it. Dude, you'd I be just, surprised. I just had somebody who approached me and you know said and she was early on in her pregnancy and she says. You know, I, I wanted to run this, uh, you know, 10K thing or whatever like that coming up. And I was like, oh, okay. I was like, do you do that often? She's like, no, it's my first time. I'm like, wait a second. You, you thought it would be a good idea to, to run a marathon while you're... Well, yeah, because I, I want to counter any extra weight that I'd be... I was like, no, 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 no. no. That's yeah, not, yeah, no, no. If that's not something you already do on a regular basis, now that you have another human body inside you or a little, you know, fetus going on right now, this is not an ideal situation for you. If you had been doing that all the time, fine. Not a big deal, right? If you were a regular runner and then you're just continuing on, but... No, it's not something you want to pick No, you're up not now. trying to improve your performance while you're pregnant. You're just trying to maintain what you've been doing. And so if you're a very fit person, if you're super fit, you're exercising hard mm-hmm. and you can do all this uh, you know, amazing feats in the gym and you run or whatever, go ahead and keep doing that while you're pregnant. Uh, just listen to your body. Your body will – it's going to start telling you – to slow down when it's time to slow down um, because the body's pretty resilient. Uh, women, you know, I think a lot, they'll treat pregnancy one or two ways. One way is like well, we, what we just talked about where it's like, I'm going to enter a race now that I'm pregnant. Yeah. And then the other is, I'm pregnant. I need to not ever move right. and I need to just so sit delicate. here and do nothing. And yeah. feed yeah. for two. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, uh, so you, you don't want to achieve any new yeah. uh, fitness goals or success while you're pregnant. You just want to keep doing what you're doing. So that's where we, now we're going to go to pre-pregnancy. Well, wait a second, why you're on pregnancy. So let's talk about some of the, yeah, the, 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 yeah, the myths that are out there on like, you can't do a crunch or you can't do a squat or you can't do a leg press. You, there's a lot of things out there that doctors you do a lot of what you're doing currently right now. Yes. I know? get that a lot where I get someone like, Oh, can you give me a modification for this? And I, I'm like, why? Cause you're pregnant. I'm like, uh, and you can't, you can't squat down. Yeah, uh, you get on the toilet, right? Still, (laughs) like, you should still be able to squat down just fine. Do I think you should max load and go do fucking no again squat two fifty? You know what I'm saying? No, but can you can you squat? Yeah, hundred percent. You should squat. Yeah, yeah, definitely. uh, Listen to your body. So as your baby grows, your uh, it'll start to distend your midsection and push out many uh, the the muscles of the core, which will change their recruitment pattern, reduce their effectiveness at stabilizing your core. So that's when you prop change your core exercises yeah. or you're not going to be able to do many of them. Or you, more isometrics or, you know, that have that kind of mentality it, instead of crunching. Exactly. So like rotation, stabilization, you know, that kind of stuff is really good for your core. Mm-hmm. Just listen to your body. Now, as far as pre-pregnancy is concerned, uh, here's the thing. You're, what you want to do is you want to build muscle going into your pregnancy. You yes. want to have a lot yes. of muscle yep. to have a good strong uh, metabolic rate but you also want to have good strong healthy flexible muscle because mm-hmm. having a baby is very difficult well and you want to be strong going into i was going to stress because you brought up like the triathlon like that's i feel like it'd be more helpful to focus more on strength and, and mobility and maintaining for like, sure you know way, like you're gonna have way more benefit if you change your uh adaptations that you want to you know centralize your your program around around that because of the way that's going to help to rebound you. Well, think of it this way too. One of you, I don't know who brought it up first, but had, had mentioned, you know, that you know, muscle is expensive. It's expensive tissue on your yeah. body. So the more of it you build, the more of these calories that you consume are now allocated to keeping that on your body. So 
the more muscle that you can build going into your pregnancy, uh, the easier it's going to be for yourself, not only just strength wise, but also now these additional calories that you may consume end up going to, you know, partitioning to holding on to lean body mass on your, on your body. And you would be, you, you storing it's, fat. it's shocking now the, the, the science that's coming out. I mean, it's not shocking. It's again, another duh. Um, but, uh, the, there's science now that is, uh, proving that what you do before and during your pregnancy influences your child far more than we ever thought before. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it can literally change uh, how they their, their genes are expressed. Mm-hmm. So although they may inherit certain genes, the way, because you were active uh, during your pregnancy, because you had more muscle, because you were stronger, because all these different things, your child's likelihood of having, you know, uh, disease, diabetes, chronic illness, or whatever becomes much lower because of you know the, the state that your body was in before and during God, your pregnancy. Yeah, your habits are so influential. You know, just thinking about that is is, is so trippy. That, Dude, they even show that like what you eat and you know what you're eating while you're pregnant yeah, for and, their long term success actually changes or influences the baby's preferences for food. Right. So, like, you want your kids to eat lots of vegetables. You might want to eat vegetables. Well, doesn't that go I, right along with the whole uh, gut biome and all that transfer? I think it's that. I mean, the 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 child doesn't get introduced, or the baby doesn't get introduced to the the mother's uh, flora until it's born. Well, right. So as it goes through the birthing canal, and then if, and then through breastfeeding and that kind of stuff. But uh, it, it makes sense in the sense that. If you know, we most of our evolution was done as you know hunter gatherers. It makes sense that the child will inherit uh, certain you know uh, cravings, traits and cravings that, yeah. for foods that are probably going to be around the mother when the baby's born. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. So if you're eating lots of these healthy vegetables and foods and whatever, um, then the baby's probably going to crave more of them. If you're just eating lots of sugar and stuff like that, then it might have a stronger craving for this, or might not like. The vegetables. That might be a flavor that it's just doesn't just didn't develop a taste for because you didn't eat them while you were pregnant. I find this such a hard topic hmm. for me to discuss with with clients because oh, they take it personal. Yes, one. Yeah. Uh, I don't have a kid, so I strike one for me. Uh, and, You're a man, uh, and I'm a man. A strike man. two. Yeah. You know, and never been through pregnancy. So, but I, I always try and and stress that to my clients that listen right now, and, and it's it may be like a lot of work and sacrifice to hey skip out on the McDonald's supersized fries and not eat all this garbage with that. But what you're setting your kid up for, like you have no idea how much easier down the road it's going to be for you to control that if you start these habits now. So think of it like I mean, if you really love this child and you care about its its health and its future, like. I mean, think about what you're fueling your body with currently now, and then when it when it comes out, what you decide to start to fuel it with, you know, before you start introducing sugar to it. You know, it's crazy. Early studies on women who, because the, the, the recommendation to women to exercise while pregnancy is relatively new uh, or relatively recent. It wasn't yeah, back that, in the days. The doctors used to say, "Don't." Right. It wasn't that long ago where they said, "Don't move. Don't be active. Relax." Uh-huh. Um, and some of this was motivated by studies they did that they that that found that babies born to active mothers had lower birth weights than babies born to inactive mothers, and so they equated that to health, not as healthy. Yeah. <laughs> but what they <laughs> found, what they found was, is the head circumference size, length of the baby, all those things, was the same. The difference was the babies were leaner. Yeah. <laughs> That's why they were lighter. They already came back with lower yeah. body fat. They were leaner, and <laughs> now came out six pack. And out. now we're finding that they're much less likely to have, uh, you know, issues with diabetes and obesity. Even children who are not raised in the same environment, a child that may be adopted to another family, 
now has inherited uh, or their genes are expressed differently so that they have a better likelihood or more of a likelihood of having of being healthy and not having not, not storing body fat as easily um so it's extremely important i'll tell you what being a trainer as long as i have i've seen a lot of women uh exercise before pregnancy during pregnancy and after pregnancy and the bounce back is so much faster so much easier so much better um, and and studies have, will prove that your complications from pregnancy will would reduce dramatically mm-hmm. if you were exercising before and right. during your pregnancy. If you're active going into, then if you were not, I've at seen all. the same thing with clients. You know, even with my wife, it, it's very apparent. It's oh, in, it's incredible. You, uh, yeah, uh, for sure, I can easily count twenty to thirty clients that I train that when they were training like consistently through their pregnancy, how fast they get back into shape and it versus that client who hires you afterwards, they didn't do anything yeah. their whole pregnancy. And they're like, Oh, I'm holding on to this extra 30 pounds I had since my child Help me out. And it's like, well, when's the last time? Oh, it's been over a year since I've done anything. It's like that person and the, and the person that actually trained through pregnancy night and day difference, mm-hmm. night and day difference. Cossack Conditioning is asking, how do you determine as a trainer what to charge clients? Ooh, uh, Justin, what is ooh. what is Cossack training? You said you heard what is I've that? I've heard of the Cossack squats, which uh, it's a method of a squat where you basically put your leg all the way out. It's almost like a, a lateral lunge, but now you're up on your heel and then you you kind of squat down super low with that with your leg all the way extended out. Is it? Balanced or touching the ground? It's touching the ground. Yeah. Oh, I can picture that. Yeah. I can picture okay. that too. I don't know what that was called. It's called a classic squat. You think it's the same people? I'm pretty sure. Maybe. I mean, I feel like they probably follow his methods. I oh, guess. Okay. I don't know. Interesting. I, I don't know. I'm not very versed in it. I just know that that name. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so the question is just, you know, how, how do you know how much to charge? Well, Number one, uh, we live in a, uh, you know, luckily we live in a country that um, has a market economy, a market-based economy. And so rates are determined uh, by things like supply and demand. Mm -hmm. And um, here's how it's always going to work. A business will always charge the most it can for its products or services. And a customer will always pay uh, as little as they can for uh, a product or service. And of course, what weighs into that is value and all that stuff and perceived value. So that's number one. So where I'm going with that is number one, look at the market that you're in. Uh, that's important. You got to look at your market because if I'm in a market where the yeah, if average, you, if you live in Kansas or LA, it's totally different. It's right? different. Like if I, <laughs> if I live in a market where the average trainer charges 60 bucks an hour, then I'm going to need to have much higher perceived value to charge $100 an hour. Yeah. I'm going to have to provide a lot better service, and there needs to be a, a, a value that the customer sees in me that makes them think to themselves, I want to pay this guy half, uh, excuse me, twice as much as what these other people are charging. So that's number one. Mm-hmm. Number two, uh, you need to know your worth. Do your math, know your worth. Will you get more clients by charging less per session? Maybe you might, you, you, you probably will. Well, does that mean you're going to make more money? No. I mean, you can charge, but that's a sticky trap you're setting yourself up for. If you're thinking, that's about, what I'm saying. Yeah. You know, that's what I'm saying. Cause you could be charging 60 bucks an hour instead of 80 bucks an hour. And now you have t- 15% more clients, but at the end of the day, you're making the same, money the same for or less more work. for more work. Right. So that's the other thing you want to kind of weigh out. Um, a lot of it, I'll tell you what, man, a lot of how much you charge your clients is determined on your perceived value, mm-hmm. and that's gonna that can come from a lot of different ways. Well, I think it grows, too. I think it grows with your knowledge and your experience, and I feel like 
um, people will will pick up on that. Like you'll, you'll see by the amount of referrals you get and, and uh, just your, your client's feedback and what you can improve. As long as you're in the mentality of always improving yourself, I would always try and keep bumping myself up and see you know who who bites on it. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just a matter of being able to deliver, but over deliver your promises. I would say if you're trying to go on to that end of it and not look for like giving them a cheaper value in the market, if you're trying to go over that, always think of over delivery. Right. And, and when it comes to value, look, if you just lower your price, let's say I'm a trainer. Here's an example. Let's say I'm charging, I have 10 sessions and I'm charging $600 for 10. So that's 60 a session. Um, I can run a sale on those 10 sessions and say, hey, uh, 50% off, it's $300 for 10 sessions. And all I've done now is I've cheapened uh, the same amount of service. So I've, I've, I've taken a program or a product that I offer and I've made it cheaper, which now lessens the value or the perceived value. Or I can come out with a different promotion that is still a promotion but doesn't cheapen the value. So what I mean by that is I have 10 sessions for $600, but here's a new promotion. You can get you know, uh, 40 sessions at 50 a session or 45 a session. So my session rate goes down, but they have to get more sessions in order to yeah. get it. So it's like you get one for the other and it doesn't necessarily lower the value. Well, that's of my too product. high. I would coach to transition into month to month training, which I highly suggest for all you trainers. Out yeah. There. You do it differently. Explain that. It, it, I do that, uh, for the reason being that you have reliable income, um, and granted, if you don't have them on EFT or any of that kind of stuff, if you, some trainers do do that and there's, there's software out there you can purchase to produce that. EFT uh, is when it gets automatically deducted. Yeah, you get automatically account. deducted. And so you, you guys sort of have an agreement that, uh, you, they know that they're going to resign. And so then it just keeps automatically kind of taking it. Uh, but that's something you would want to, if, if you're going to switch into that mentality, always start lower uh, than what you were charging with your 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 per session rate. Mm. Okay, so that way you get them adopted into that system. They feel like they're getting value because it's less money initially, uh, and then you start ramping it up. But now it's consistent, so not a lot lower, but lower enough to incentivize them to then go on a month per month because you're going to be able to schedule, plan. Uh, you're not if if they miss a session, that's their fault. You know, like you put the ball back in their court. So, in other words, uh, the two ways to charge for training are per session. So, you buy a package, use them up as you go along, or what Justin is saying, you pay a flat rate per month, right? Right. So, if let's say I charge a hundred dollars a session, someone trains with me four days a week, they're paying me four hundred bucks a month. Uh, if they come, if they use up their sessions that way, or I can tell them, hey, three hundred bucks a month automatically. And we'll keep it the same. However, if you miss a session, you don't. It doesn't charge you less. It's always three hundred bucks a month. That's it. Am I am I correct? Yep. I never did that, um, and I'm not saying I didn't do it because it was worse. I think it's better. I think the way you did it was better. I just never got to that point. Yeah. I well, do both. The, yeah. Do you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I uh, I charge an hourly uh, hourly rate of one fifty. And then I have my coaching rate, uh, which has just now gone up to three fifty a month. But when I started, so the coaching one will be a cool one to talk about because I've been training for a very long time. But I've only been coaching virtually online now for like two years. And I had no intentions of doing that until I got into competing. And then I saw this huge need for coaching people for prep. So I'd started with just just prep people, getting ready for a show. 
And the average going rate for that, so going back to what Sal had said, I think that's a very good point. You have to kind of understand like what's the low, what's the high for what what it is I'm about to offer, you know. So I, I I saw what everybody else was doing. I'd hired a coach, I'd seen other coaches, I'd found out their pricing, I'd seen what they'd offered virtually, I saw what it was like to communicate with them, so I knew what I was up against. And the price range was somewhere between about 150 to I think the highest I ever saw was 275. So I knew that I couldn't come out and I, I because I wouldn't do this because I, I first had to prove uh, my value to myself before I even prove it to my clients. Good point. Yeah. So I, I came out at 175. Um, so at the very towards the bottom of the price. Now, not because I didn't think I was already better, but I first needed to prove that that I was to myself that, okay, I could pr- provide a better service than I had seen before I start. Well, right away that I, I drew in a lot of clients and very fast. I was filled up to where I had a waiting list. Soon as I had a waiting list, as soon as I had one person that was waiting in line to get in, I instantly bumped up and I bumped up in $25 increments. So I've went from 175 to 200, 225, 250, 275. And I just recently went to 350. Mm-hmm. So, um, which I don't know anybody that charges that much. Um, I charge more than anybody, uh, as far as I know, in the area for that. But I also know what I provide. So I know, and I and over this time, I've continued to improve in on improve on my systems, on um, my consistency too with my clients. I also know my sweet spot as far as how many I can manage, so they get great service. I'm not, uh, you know, over committing to too many people. So I, you have to kind of figure all this stuff out. So while you're a trainer, if you're just starting. And just because people are charging between fifty and a hundred dollars, and you think you're really smart because you came out with your kinesiology degree and you have a couple great certifications, you think, well, I should be upper echelon or midway. Well, you know, I I think you should start lower, and you need to prove to yourself your value when you feel confident in your value. And I and to me, part of proving to yourself too is getting enough people that are wanting to train with you. Mm-hmm. If you're trying to charge top dollar and you can't fill your schedule up, well, you're probably charging too much because. A good portion, I think, of any of our business, um, and you guys correct me if I'm wrong, is probably referral. 100. percent You know, so a lot of a lot of your people, uh, and I know Justin probably out of all of us is is done the best online marketing to new leads and and fresh fish for sure. But for the uh, for the most part, you know, it's it's almost always referral. And well, when, I was gonna say, I tell you what, one of the biggest problems I see with new trainers is that they don't uh, they un- see. Here's the thing, though, I see a lot of trainers undervalue themselves. Undervalue themselves. Yes. They are afraid to, to, to ask for money. They're afraid to it's charge. It's an epidemic. It's an epidemic. I see trainers do this all the time. Like, oh, I can't charge that much. It's like, well, well why? Yeah, why not? Why like, not? Like, what are you going to be providing to that person? How many years did you go to school? You know, how many of these certs did you do? How much did each one of those certs cost you? Yeah, and what are you going to be providing? Just, for I this? just add all this up. Exactly. And, you know, you, don't be afraid to ask for the money. Realize what you're worth. Del- Over deliver. Mm-hmm. Um, and also understand this. Like, personal training uh, is not a if you look at all of fitness and you look at the the you know the the cost of of fitness everything from you know buying a, a book to getting a membership to personal training personal training is towards the top yeah in terms of cost so you're actually dealing with a clientele that has more expendable income you're not trying to get clients that just want to go to the gym or can't afford personal training most of your clients have probably got more money than the average person to invest, and that's why they're hiring a personal trainer. Right. So now that you're in that category and you understand that, um, it's okay. Look, you know, my perceived value went up tremendously 
after starting Mind Pump. When I started, when, when we started Mind Pump and people started hearing me on, on, uh, on podcasts and, you know, I started doing social media and stuff, I was able to charge a lot more because now, you know, it's like this, this thing like, oh, I know who he is or he's a celebrity or whatever. And so your perceived value goes up. Referrals are like that too. If a friend refers someone to you because you blew them away with results or, you mm-hmm. know, you are a great trainer. Yeah, it's your walking billboard. That person's walking in and they're not going to, they're, they're in and they're going to pay you. What you ch- either a what you charge their friend or whatever you ask, right? It's not going to be an issue in terms of cost because well, they've they've been sold. Yeah, there's two mentalities like I have, and you know one of them is is very much like I, you know this is what I charge and that's like I'm very firm with it and uh, I'm 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 really like I'm not in embarrassed to put that out there like very much like here's the price point like yeah I, you're not afraid no you just you stick to it, you know, that's, that's the mentality I have. However, there's this other side to me that like, once I get him into trusting in me and and, like, I want to build up to that, like for the very first shot, like this is the price point, you know, I've decided that I'm going out with, I'm going to 100% deliver, if not over deliver to you, I'm going to prove myself at this rate, you know, later on things happen, you know, like it, depending on like the person I'm very open to, okay, well, let's see, like based off of life, I can only do this much left or whatever. Like I'm a human being, like I get it. Like I'll, I'm not like crazy. Like I have to have this or see you later. Uh, mentality and business that's not business it's, mm-hmm. it's a relationship mm-hmm. but but putting yourself out there is like your worth first is like so important yeah and you know it's you got to paint the picture yeah you know to this potential client like think about it this way that person who's talking to you who's like who's thinking about hiring a trainer they don't want to hire a trainer they want to they want to look and feel a certain way right they want to lose 30 pounds let's say that's their goal i want to lose 30 pounds if they knew they would lose 30 pounds for sure how much money do you think they would spend like if, if for sure, if they knew for a hundred percent, if I gave this trainer oh thousands of dollars, right? If I thousands. gave this trainer three thousand dollars, I know I'm going to lose. Because let's 30 be pounds. honest, when you go do lipo, I mean, you're paying thousands of dollars that's, to get sucked out of you. That's what I'm because, saying. You know why? Because you know when you walk in that they will suck five pounds of fat that's out right. of you. <laughs> you know for sure it's coming out of you. Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm saying. And if you if you're sitting there and you're afraid to ask for it and you don't feel like you're worth it, and I, I've I've seen that so many fucking times yeah. with all the trainers that work it, for me. It's energy where they're man. like, oh, I you know I can't ask for a hundred dollars an hour, and it's like. Because they themselves you gotta take yourself out of that too is what I was f- forgetting to to yeah. uh, make a point of you know like if you're looking at them it's not like you're sitting there trying to buy from yourself it's somebody you know y- you have to take yourself as the authority in the situation and be like this is where I'm at dude I've I, had so many trainers tell me I wouldn't pay myself a hundred dollars an hour yeah it's like because exactly. you're a fucking trainer yeah you're already into this you're, you understand you're, it you're not at their level it's yeah. not that it doesn't yeah. have that value yeah. you know it's not worth it to you because you already understand it to them. If you can paint the picture, mm-hmm. and if they can, first of all, if you're not confident in yourself, that person ain't going to be confident in you too, and either. So you need to be confident in what you're asking for. Paint the picture. Sh- you know, tell them what you're going to do. Be confident in it. And if I guarantee you, if that person is sitting across the table from you, is feels like wow, if they yeah. feel your conviction and confidence. They're going to and they and they and they have money to invest in trainer. They're going to give you that money. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not going to be an issue. So uh, you know, look at your market. Uh, uh, realize your worth um, and go for it. And I'm telling you this right now as a trainer, it's better to train less people for more per hour than it is to train more people for less per hour because you're going to give better service. 
uh, to those clients. Yep. Um, and you're not going to have to like like sit there and bust your ass, you know, 15 hours a day because you're charging too low. That was session. the game changer, you know, when I shifted in that direction for sure. Just you know, over deliver, man. Over deliver. Yeah, people do, people do not care how much you know until they know how much you care. You know, care, care about Ooh, your. That's pe- good. Say that again. People who don't care how much you know until you know how much you care. Mm-hmm. And so you spend time, it's and like that's Confucius. You and you don't have to, and you, you don't have to know more than the next trainer. You know, the, the a lot of times being the person who cares about his client goes a lot further than the trainer who knows more about their client. So keep that in mind. You know, if you. If you give that off, um, it, you'd be so blown away. And I, hearing Justin talk, I, I'm sure he definitely heard me say that because that was probably the – I had to say that so many times to my yeah. trainers when they first would come in. It's just like, listen, I know you're intimidated right now. I know you're scared. It's your first client. You got to do all this. But listen, you even as little as you think you know right now, you know so much more than 99% of everybody else on that floor right now. Mm-hmm. So you need to carry yourself that way. Remember that. You're so much further ahead of them. Stop comparing yourself to your peers right now that have been doing this for 10, 15 years. You just started doing this. You're going to get there. For right now, you need to carry yourself as an authority, care about your clients. Then you trust me, you'll be fine. Aaron K. Edwards needs to work on explosiveness from a standstill for rugby. At Mind Pump, Justin, can you help? Oh, this is for you, buddy. Yeah, Aaron. <laughs> yeah. Uh, as far as rugby from a stop, um, a couple things so come all to power, mind. Right? Yeah. In phase three of uh, of our Maps Green, our performance program, uh, really highlighted this very specific adaptation. So this is something that. Um, is a skill that you can acquire by implementing into your program. So these are techniques like uh, box jumps, and and this is uh, tire flipping. I had Adam doing this with me uh, the other day in the gym for uh, explosiveness, though. So what I was doing was dropping down in that very low position from a stopping, you know, standstill sort of uh, spot, and now I was creating tension as as much as I could create and then accelerating as hard as I could out of that position. And so it's it's going into lifts with that type of mentality where it's not about uh, increasing load and it's not about grinding your way through the exercises, but now your movements have to reflect this very quick acceleration, this connectedness to your CNS on you know, any given moment. So uh, each one of those exercises are going to look very uh, explosive and, and fluid. And you're going to want to do this in multiple uh, uh, um, planes. planes of motion. Thank this, you. So this, this was a huge breakthrough in understanding uh, for me years ago when I finally understood, because my background with exercise, I've always loved correctional exercise. And as a kid, I liked bodybuilding. So it it wasn't so much athletic training. So I didn't understand how to train for explosiveness um, as much as an athletic trainer. I understood how to create, you know, uh, how to fatigue a muscle, how to make it get stronger, how to build, all those different things. And by the way, strength will contribute to explosiveness. Mm -hmm. If you just get stronger, you will get more explosive also. So let's not forget that. But when you're training specifically for explosiveness, there was a huge paradigm shift for me when I realized that uh, doing something like a box jump or throwing a weight or doing something quick had nothing to do with fatigue. Mm-hmm. It had nothing to do with me trying to get tired or feel the muscles work. It was everything about being able to move that weight faster. Yeah, it's the response. It's right. So if I'm doing, so to give you an example, if I'm doing a, uh, let's say I'm doing a bench press. This is simple. 
let's say I'm doing a bench press. Typically, if I'm trying to get stronger in the bench press, I'm working through fatigue. I'm working to I'm, I'm getting close to failure. You know, maybe not going to failure, but I'm getting close to it. I'm lifting heavy. Uh, it's slow grinding movement. If I'm training for explosiveness with the bench press, I'm getting a light weight. And my goal is to lower the weight down to my chest and then throw it up as fast as I can. Mm -hmm. And I do this for a few reps and then I rest because as soon as fatigue starts to set in, even a little bit, I'm not even, I'm not even talking about a lot of fatigue. As you start to fatigue even a little bit, I'm losing that ability to explode. And that's when you rest. You wait, and then you do it again. And when I started understanding that, implementing that technique to explosive training, is when I finally saw the results from it. I really saw what it could do. And I also think that this is where unconventional training gained a lot of popularity because, um, you know, CrossFit and uh, a lot of these, like, athletic-based gyms, they'll get equipment like mace bells, and they'll get, like, a sledgehammer training and tire uh, stuff like this where and kettlebells, where these are are tools that, if you use them correctly – um, we're really just working on, like with a kettlebell swing, I'm working on getting my hips to respond at an accelerated rate that I can't do with a squat. So it's a hip hinging type of a movement. I'm getting like that maximal amount of uh, uh, response to accelerate the weight out in front of me. Um, you know, same thing like, so it also too, if I'm doing like a depth jump, for instance, and I'm, and I'm sort of falling off of a step and I'm, my response is then I'm going to land on my toes and get that to, to, to flex. And then I want to be able to explode out of that flexion as quickly as possible. So it's, it, you have to be really use, use these tools correctly uh, not for fatigue. So I'm not trying to just use these for these like elaborate circuits and uh, I, like, it's not a conditioning issue. Like what you want to really focus on is that very specific skill of how quickly can I move it's this a, object? It's well, a skill, man. Yeah. Yesterday you brought that up. I'm glad you brought up the tire flipping because I actually, um, it's funny you, you said this because I felt the the members and the few trainers that were in there watching me do it because the way I was doing it was I got under the tire and normally you see someone do a tire flip and it's like it's this trying to get the tire all the way down and back as hard and as fast as you yeah, can it's fatigue. so you see me get up to the tire I get my stance I look down at my feet I'm as mm-hmm. close to the tire as I can I make sure that I'm, I'm balanced you said I get down as deep as I can in my squat I get my hands underneath the tire then I come up to where I got my arms are stiff my legs are stiff my glutes everything's stiff and tight and then I explode one time set it reset all the way over get again. ready Regain get, composure yeah. so that's the, that's the biggest thing is it literally like 30 40 30 seconds in between each tire flip however flip. long it takes yes. right like the the rest is it, it's individualized so we put a metric out there for people standards like uh, a minute or 30 seconds or but really it's about your composure it's how well you can control your body in order to perform something that's explosive which you, it, it absolutely needs even more of your uh, uh you know focus absolutely each rep you're doing with a specific intent instead of looking to move at, faster yes instead of before. looking at it as a, a set it. like oh i'm gonna flip this tire six times no you're gonna flip this tire one time right six different times right you know what i'm saying that's what you're doing and each time you're Very doing well it yes each time you are flipping that tire it's a it's a whole setup process and and each time i flipped that tire i got better like the first time i remember i got under there and i remember my arms being stiff and tight but then when i fired off i felt myself drive off my toes too much i didn't yeah. drive through the heels enough and like so each one i'm critiquing 
tweaking every piece of my movement until I until it's all firing at one right. time together. You should feel when you do this properly, you should feel like you get faster and more explosive with each rep and when it gets to the point where you start to feel like you're getting slower then you're done. So and this is what happens, you'll get if I'll do this with a client uh, who's not an athlete and I'll have him practice like a jump squat they always jump faster by the third or fourth one mm-hmm. because they're kind of getting the idea to just explode. and It's and a louder contra- signal now. It's con- responding more. Yes, and contract uh, very, very quickly. It's a very useful tool if you're advanced. You know, This isn't something, by the way, that uh, we recommend to uh, very, very just anybody. Point. Very good point. Uh, explosive and power training is for people. Once they get advanced, they've got decent conditioning because the risk, the the, the it's a higher risk of injury. Mm-hmm. Um if you're the average person, do you need to work on explosiveness? No, just getting stronger is probably enough. But if you like to work out, you're a little more advanced and you want to kind of take your training to another level, this is this is some cool shit, man. It will make you stronger, it'll make you uh, more stable um, under, you know, high tension. It'll make you feel more agile. Connected, I don't know. Connected. Yeah, like I you walk know, around and I move and I just feel like I can like do more shit. Well, there's there's things that immediately come to mind too and I kind of was talking about a lot of the different tools like even the medicine ball. Everybody's seen medicine balls in their gym and it's kind of infiltrated and uh just you know, throwing like the CrossFit sort of like wall balls and all these different things are popular, right? But you know, there's no intention there. None. There's no intention. The form is shitty. Like, there's a way that athletically I could benefit from that, right? And it would be awesome. But it, people need to realize like what skill they're trying to acquire. Fuck, this from is a doing whole episode. This. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm sorry. Look, you open up your toolbox. You've got different tools in there. You use them for what they're designed for. If you That's have a it. hammer, you hammer shit with it. You got a wrench, you use the wrench to you know to crank on things. You don't use a wrench to hammer nails, and you don't use a, a hammer to to you screw know, and screws. It just it just bottom line. That's just how it works. So if you're trying to tr- to train for a particular type of adaptation, all of our programs are designed this way, mm-hmm. uh, where each phase is specific and each tool is specific to that phase, and the intent is specific. Well, and, and and maps performance, maps green. If you're looking for movement and mastering movement. There is no better program that I've ever seen, and it's the best maps for that. I mean, it's very specific in its intent. There's an entire phase dedicated to well, explosiveness. Keep that in mind, too. That, and this is where you know people always ask this. So I'm going to try my best every time I, this comes up. because we get. I think the number one question that we get asked that I feel like people feel like we haven't fully answered is, how do you guys program design? So every time we have a moment like this, I'm going to try and... like. You know, reiterate what's yeah. what's going on. Here's our, a moment. Our, yeah. yeah, here's a moment. Our process as far as how we design something. So there is a reason. You heard the guys say something earlier that you know this is advanced. You need there's certain things that you need to learn to do. This is why you wouldn't even get to this phase until six months into training through That's our program. Yep. You would go through all of red. You would have made it through three phases into green, and then you're moving to something like this. Yep. That's how important we think it is for you to go through all these other steps before you just hop into it. Now, the average listener might hear like, "Oh man, that sounds cool." I want to learn explosive moving, mm-hmm. but then you haven't laid the foundation for that. Can you do it? Sure, you could possibly go through it. Sure, I could sell are the you program. Tweak to something, you. maybe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But and, I, and are you going to get anything out of it? Not much. Not unless you're doing it right and you're at the right stage to be able to utilize this. That's the thing. Like, I I cringe every fucking time I see a trainer have their client jump on a box. Every single time, I have yet to see almost maybe once I've seen 
someone jump on a box, do it properly, and I'm looking at the person going, yeah, I can see why they're do- where they're jumping on a box. Mm-hmm. Usually, it's some kind of a class Dude. that they're teaching. They're doing some program. Check yeah. out our new programming. Come work out. It's like and- a filler to their elaborate circuit. It's just a way to get people yeah. tired, and they're jumping on boxes, and I'm, I'm looking, and I'm like, it's, why? It is stupid. How most 90% yeah. of the people, and I can say a number like that because I've been fucking in gyms they're for so long, shins. Are, that are doing box jumps are doing them wrong. All you are, you're just doing cardio. All you're doing, and there's so much so, better ways to yeah, do cardio. Yeah. Jump in place. All you're, way exactly. You're, yeah. All you're doing is cardio. You are not. You think you're improving your vertical jump by jumping no, 50, 15 tired. times on a box jump. You know, with no rest in between each each no, rep. No. No. no, you think you're in, you think you're improving your explosiveness by doing rep after rep. No, you're not doing any of those. You're doing fucking cardio. You're doing jumping jacks is all you're fucking doing. Yes, exactly. You know what I'm saying? And if you haven't done those, they're a lot safer than jumping on a box yeah. like that. So, and you don't have to bring a tool to do that. Look, so you want to look that at, in mind. If you look at the athletes that exemplify power and explosiveness more than any other athlete, it's Olympic lifters. Olympic lifters, that is specifically what they train for. Now, if you watch an Olympic lifter train, if you look at their programming, yeah, watch how they do some shit. They do not, they rarely, they'll train to fatigue with squats sometimes and just to build strength or whatever. But if you watch them do their lifts, it's a sub-maximal weight. So it's like, let's say my max snatch is 300 pounds. Well, guess what I'm doing my snatches with today? 150 pounds. And I'm trying to go fast as hell. Yeah. And in between sets, I'm taking my time. I'm getting set up. I'm getting ready. And then I do it again. It's just perfecting the skill. This is how they train. And they're the masters of explosive power. Yeah. On the flip side, you see programming, you know, like, uh, again, I hate hammering CrossFit all the time, but I'm going to. I'm Why? Going to Why? So- because they love Olympic lifts and they do Olympic lifts wrong. They use Olympic lifts not for power. Yeah, they use them for fatigue. And let me tell you something right now. That is a dangerous way to train for endurance. Is with yeah. an Olympic lift. Olympic very, lifts very are dangerous. They're specifically for speed, power, and technique, and that's how you need to use them. So, that's right. listen, if you like Mind Pump, leave us a five star rating and review on iTunes. You may win a free T shirt, uh, an awesome T shirt, or just a hug, or just yeah, you might Ooh. get a, a hug from Adam. Yeah. Um, also, check us out on Instagram at Mind Pump Radio. You can find me at Mind Pump Sal. You can find Justin at Mind Pump Justin. Adam at Mind Pump Adam. Um, and also, don't forget to visit our site, mindpumpmedia.com. And the Facebook. That's where we have all of our programs. Oh, yeah, Facebook, Mind Pump. Is it Mind Pump or Mind Pump Radio? You're the one who's on it. Mind Pump Show. There you go. Thank you. Yep. Thank you for listening to Mind Pump. If your goal is to build and shape your body, dramatically improve your health and energy, and maximize your overall performance, check out our discounted RGB Super Bundle at mindpumpmedia.com. The RGB Super Bundle includes MAPS Anabolic, MAPS Performance and MAPS Aesthetic. Nine months of phased expert exercise programming designed by Sal, Adam, and Justin to systematically transform the way your body looks, feels, and performs. With detailed workout blueprints and over 200 videos, the RGB Super Bundle is like having Sal, Adam, and Justin as your own personal trainers, but at a fraction of the price. The RGB Super Bundle has a full 30-day money-back guarantee and you can get it now plus other valuable free resources at mindpumpmedia.com. If you enjoy this show, please share the love by leaving us a five-star rating and review on iTunes and by introducing Mind Pump to your friends and family. We thank you for your support, and until next time, this is Mind Pump.